Hi, I'm Jake Parker, and this is my podcast, Beyond Fit. My goal is to help you live a happier and healthier life by providing actionable knowledge and advice about a wide range of health and fitness topics, as well as self-improvement. If you want to find out more about me, visit my website, jake-parker.com. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to the Beyond Fit podcast. I hope you all had a good Father's Day weekend, spent some time with dad. So for this episode, I wanted to share a few random things I've been thinking about or wanted to bring up or just came to mind. This is called The Random Show. It's my first time doing one of these, so we'll jump right into it. I'm going to address these four different topics. Let me know if you guys have any additional questions or if this brings up anything else that you'd like me to talk about on a future show or anything like that. So the first topic is how to lose belly fat. Now, most people, when they want to lose fat or when they want to focus on getting fitter, obviously first notice that they carry a lot of fat around the belly. And a lot of times people will obviously say, you know, what exercises can I do or what supplement or food can I eat to get rid of belly fat? And the unfortunate truth here and the reality behind this clickbaity sort of title is you really can only lose fat from your entire body as a whole. So some people may carry more fat on their belly. Some people may carry less. Some people may carry fat around the arms or the legs, the thighs, the chest, the neck, what have you. But when it comes to losing fat, you can't spot reduce. A lot of times people will think that if you just, like I said, do a certain exercise, do crunches to get rid of belly fat, eat XYZ food or take XYZ supplement that can target belly fat. That's really just not the case. And any, anybody who tells you otherwise is just being dishonest. So like I said, when it comes to losing belly fat, you have to focus on losing fat on your body as a whole. And where that happens really can't unfortunately be determined by you. So if you want to lose body fat, you're going to have to put yourself in a calorie deficit of some sort, whether that means adding additional exercise or usually what that means and what it should mean is dialing in on your diet. It's a lot easier to reduce a few hundred calories from your diet every day to see sustainable progress than it is to kind of eyeball it or keep doing what you're doing with your diet and just try to exercise more because it's going to be so much more up and down and variable this way. So uh, that's the story there. Something else that's been on top of mind for me as far as this goes, I've seen myself gain a little bit of weight back from really getting very lean and under 10.5% body fat. And what I've noticed is that it's interesting how the body is seemingly ready to put on muscle at this low body fat or, you know, really just any weight in general. And I guess I should be careful in saying that because you want to be really careful not to just overeat a lot because yes, I think that the body's primed to put on muscle, but I think it's also primed to put on body fat. I know that something I talked about before is the fact that last time I got really lean, I sort of restricted myself more than I did this last time. And it led to just a lot of overeating and binging right away when I was off my diet. And so I put on a lot more 
body fat right away because of that. Now I've got a lot more slow and steady. And like I said, I think that it's been nice to see the body be ready to put on muscle and be primed to put on muscle. And so something I've been finding out more about recently is this partitioning ratio, which is essentially what percentage of weight gained is lean muscle versus fat. And so that's going to be pretty high as far as the lean muscle versus fat when you are coming off of a diet or are coming off of being really lean, like I said, unless you completely overdo it. And so the thing that I noticed is that I actually think I look better than I did when I was cut down and really lean because the thing is I probably gained a little bit more muscle than I did fat. And so even though I gained weight, uh, oftentimes when you think of gaining weight, you think of, you know, a good portion of that's going to be fat. But when you can prioritize muscle gain over fat gain, you, even if it is a little bit of fat gain, even if it is a decent amount of fat gain, if you're putting on a lot of muscle, then, you know, according to that partitioning ratio, just if you think about it mathematically, as far as the body as a whole, if you put on three pounds of fat, yeah, that's, that's a decent amount of fat. But if you also put on four pounds of muscle, you're going to look better than you did before because you're going to have more muscle and your body fat percentage therefore is going to be lower, obviously as a percentage of your body weight in general. So one thing that I think is interesting here is that when you get over 17% body fat for males, uh, I can't remember exactly what that shakes out to be for females. I think that the general notion is that you add 15% for a comparable amount of body fat. So like 32 for women. So when you do this, um, when you're, when you're at this percentage of body fat or higher about a one to five ratio of muscle to fat gain is going to be what you can look for when you're gaining weight. And so that speaks to the importance again, of just being at least relatively lean before you go into a bulking phase or before you try to put on muscle, because it's going to be difficult, um, at a high percentage of body fat to prioritize muscle gain as opposed to fat gain. So that's where the partitioning ratio factors in. I also wanted to include Mike Matthews guide to cutting or bulking. If you're interested in learning more about this, that is a really good guide right there. And someone who I trust a lot, obviously, uh, which I've talked about before, but basically to wrap up here, I think that this mostly just speaks to the importance of going slow and steady, whether it be in a cut or whether it be in a bulk. And this is especially true once you become more advanced. I've been focused on being in a calorie deficit or fat loss phase for three or four months uh, at a time before I feel like I've reached my goal. And even longer for muscle gain, I've, I've gone anywhere from like six to eight months and even have seen a lot of people talking about how you know a muscle gain period can last over a year when you're advanced and are just eating a little bit more than you burn every day 100 200 300 calories over the course of you know many months and that's what's going to help you to really pack on muscle as you become more advanced and also pack on muscle without packing on too much fat as well and so you really you want to make sure that the body is in a consistent deficit or surplus what's going to trip you up is if one day you eat less and one day you eat more deficit surplus, deficit surplus, your body doesn't know which to prioritize losing fat or gaining muscle. And so it's really important to commit to one or the other and really stick to it for a, a longer period of time. Second topic here, how to read a book. Obviously I read a lot. It's something that I talk about a lot and something that I'm very passionate about because I feel like it helps me broaden my understanding of the world and also just grow as a person. Like I truly feel like the more you learn and the more you 
strengthen your methods of thinking and your understanding of different topics and concepts in the world, the better off you're going to be as far as your understanding and as far as your ability to make good decisions and think clearly, focus, all that sort of stuff. So I'm a huge fan of reading. I read almost exclusively nonfiction. Uh, I do see the value in reading some fiction, but it's just not something I'm particularly drawn to right now. I could definitely see myself being in more of a fiction phase later in life. But recently, the past two years, ever since I've been really into reading, it's been almost all nonfiction. I'm really, like I said, interested in how that can help me grow and help me learn. I feel like there has been many gaps in my mental framework and education that I've helped fill from books. And they've really just turned me into a different person or at least been a big catalyst in that whole process. So the way I go about picking books, number one, I have developed this rule where you hear, or at least for me, listening to really cool and interesting podcasts all the time, I, it seems like I hear about new books to read or new books to check out all the time. And so I have a rule now that I will only check out a book or you know buy it or whatever if I hear about it multiple times. So I have to hear a book mentioned at least twice or more. If I just hear it once, yeah, it'll be on my radar, but it's not going to be something I sink my teeth into because I feel like I have so many quality inputs that if a book is really worth it, it'll make it through multiple channels of these inputs that I have. So I have to hear about a book twice. And like I said, almost always nonfiction, whether it be like a biography or something along the lines of self-improvement, self-growth just all around understanding, whether it be something educational like Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. That's been one of my favorite books or things along the lines of how the brain works, stuff like that. I just, I, I have such a thirst for understanding more about the world and for developing better frames of, of reference to think from and to make decisions from. I also have talked about before how I make it a habit to read 15 pages a day. Now, I used to have a goal or habit of reading a certain amount of books per month, but this turned out to be too volatile with some books being you know, 100 pages and some maybe 400 or 500 pages. So now I just have a goal to read 15 pages a day and let the finishing of the books fall where they may. Now, you could say that this is also kind of volatile because some books are so much more dense than others, but I feel like that's kind of not that big of an issue where you know, obviously hundreds of pages of a book is a big issue. I can, I can get past the fact that some books will be more and less dense and keeping in mind that if I want to read 20, 30, 40 pages of a book, obviously that 15 isn't like a limit. It's more of just, I want to read at least this much a day. I feel like it's important to be constantly engaged with the books that you're reading. I know that a lot of times if you are reading a book and you take like week breaks in between reading it or even more, you can kind of forget where you're at, forget what the context of the book was, forget what the author was talking about. So I think it's really important to stay constantly engaged. And at least if you're like me and reading multiple books during a week, at least staying engaged with those books enough to pick them up and read them once or twice a week, if not more. Uh, maybe you really like a book and you read it every day. That's awesome too. So as far as the X's and O's of reading, and trying to retain the most out of a book. To me, it's really important to take notes and to underline or highlight. So there's two ways I read, either number one on my Kindle 
and I have the Readwise app that will take your Kindle highlights and feed them back to you in email form every day, which is the quotes that I post in my story. So that's really cool. I feel like that helps a lot with retention and it helps remind me of the big concepts that I wanted to go back to or wanted to especially harp on in a book. And I will almost always, in addition to that, either keep a pen and paper or like a notes sheet on my phone of what I'm learning about the book or, you know, things to revisit, stuff like that. And if I'm reading a paper copy, uh, it leaves a little bit more flexibility because I can put a lot of notes just in the margins of the page. Like I love to write in the actual book. Um, obviously, I'm not doing too much of giving away my books after because they're, they're all marked up. But uh, I like to include my thoughts, like literally physically writing them down. And if it is a physical book, I often like to dog ear the pages too that I want to go back to. And like I said, I will underline a lot. So the only big difference, obviously, with Kindle and a physical book is I'm not getting these highlights or these underlined portions fed back to me. So it's a little more important for me to go and sink my teeth back into a book during a sort of review period when I do read a physical copy. But I enjoy the balance of the physical and the digital books. I think that they both have their advantages. And sometimes you just want to have the look and feel and smell of a real book. Whereas sometimes it's about the convenience of having your Kindle. It, it fits anywhere. It's really easy to read no matter how you're laying or sitting or et cetera, et cetera. And so that is basically how I go about reading and choosing books. Next topic here is dating. I wanted to give some dating advice and thoughts on dating. Um, dating is not something I'm doing currently, but it is something that I've enjoyed in the past. And for some reason, I've been thinking about it as far as a context of a couple conversations that I've had and thoughts that I've had. Luckily, people are back to going out on actual dates with things starting to open back up. So that's really cool. But I really think that it's a shame that some people use dating apps because obviously that's the way that most people interact and go on dates these days uh, just because of the nature of the world. And I think that's totally cool. I think that that's a really good opportunity, but I think that it's unfortunate that a lot of times people just use these apps as ways to entertain their time, like social media, just fritter time away, even if they have no intention of really dating. And in addition, even I think worse than that is they'll just use it to validate themselves. How many people will want to go on a date with me? How many people will like me? How many people will chat with me on this dating uh, app? And I, I think that's just so negative because it's allowing someone else or some outside influence to have a say over your value, over how you feel. I, I just really think that for me, it's, it so closely falls in line with the abuse of social media. It's so easy, just mindlessly scrolling and having no intention. As I've talked about before, I think that social media is such a powerful tool and I think that it's so valuable, but I think that it's also so dangerous because it can just be mindlessly used and used to just fill holes of time in your life. And even more than that, it can be used to fill holes as far as not wanting to look at how your life is going, what you are happy with, what you're not happy with, what you'd like to improve. Because if you're just, fo uh, if you're just distracted all the time and you never have time to really focus and think deeply, I think that that is going to lead to unhappiness. So back to the dating advice, I really, really strongly encourage that you either stay out 
or it is one of those things where you're really engaged and you are trying to date because it is really cool getting to open up and learn about another person and help them to learn about you. Uh, that was, I think, my my number one biggest point is that you may be understandably nervous about dating. It, it is something that brings up a lot of nerves. But something that helped me calm my nerves a lot about dating is just to think, okay, it's an opportunity to get to know someone else and to explain myself to someone else and help someone else get to know me. I think that that's a really cool opportunity if you really delve into it and become invested in it and and believe in that. Um, I'm someone who has changed a lot and who is constantly changing. So for me, it was always a fun opportunity to meet someone who didn't know me at all and give them the current version of myself, give them the raw, unfiltered version of myself. And another thing that I'll, I'll say a lot is one of my favorite quotes is to be interesting, be interested by, by Dale Carnegie. And it's fun to be interested in someone else and to learn about their life from scratch. And truly, don't just go in with this expectation of trying to impress them or trying to get a second date or trying to get them, you know, to like you, yada, yada, yada. You really just want to be interested in them and find out about their life. You know, everyone knows something you don't really try to figure out what makes someone else tick. And even if it doesn't work out, even if it's someone that you couldn't see yourself being with or, or seeing again, it's still a fun opportunity to get to interact with another person, especially during this time. Hopefully this quarantine has made us more thankful and more observant of that fact. So that would be my number one point as far as dating and my number two, more a strictly like logistical point is I think that a guy or girl should be more forward and suggesting, okay, let's meet up here at this time. I think that one of the things as people, whether it just be friends or, you know, whatever it is, a lot of times we say, oh yeah, I'd love to meet up. I'd love to see, you. I'd love to catch up. And then we never make plans. For me, I try to be the person that says, yeah, we should catch up. We should meet up. Let's go to Scooters at 10 o'clock on Tuesday, or let's go get a beer at six o'clock at this bar on Saturday. Like seriously, make plans. I think it's so important to follow through, not only to increase your relationships and increase your just overall satisfaction of, of really being able to interact with somebody, but it also proves to yourself that you're someone who doesn't just passively sit on the sidelines of life. It proves to yourself that you are someone who makes plans and sticks to them. It really helps your self-esteem. So I think that it's really important to go out and meet somebody, meet lots of people. I think that going out and getting coffee with five different people is going to be a lot more powerful than going on one dinner date. Like try to do stuff that's cheap so you can meet multiple different people. And then if you, if you like them, if you're interested in them, then see them again. But you really never know until you meet someone. You can only tell so much about them online or whether it be some like a friend describing them or whatever it may be, I think that it's so important to, to go out there and do that. And even if, like I said, it doesn't go well, even if you don't get along really well, so what? It's a chance to become better at your communication skills. It's a chance to become better at finding out about someone and explaining who you are and what you're about. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm a big proponent of going out and getting after it. And it doesn't even have to be dating, but if you want to meet a new friend, or if you find a new friend who you think might be interesting, it doesn't matter if you're 20, 25, 30, 40, 50. It's, it's always a cool, fun opportunity to meet new friends. I think that we should ditch that mindset that that's something that happens like when we're kids. So that's just something I've been really passionate about and I've been thinking about. Wrapping up here, one final topic, the Perry workout window. 
So I think I first heard this term, the Perry workout window from Alan Aragon. He's mentioned in the show notes, but essentially many of us probably have come to be frustrated by not knowing what's most important as far as should I eat before my meal? What should I eat? What time? When is it important to have protein before or after a workout? What should my post-workout meal look like? Should I have a shake and then a meal, et cetera, et cetera. I know that me, especially when I was a teenager, first getting into lifting weights, I was so obsessed with the idea of getting like the perfect pre-workout meal, the perfect post-workout meal and having my shake. I seriously would like not work out sometimes if I couldn't do it. It's weird to look back and think about how like fucking backwards I had some of this stuff, but that's really how I used to view things. I would be such a victim of perfection and being a perfectionist and I was missing the big rocks for the small rocks, something I've also talked a lot about. These days, I try to get my lifting sessions in three, four, five a week, usually trying to shoot for a volume goal. And to me, it doesn't matter so much when I've eaten or when I'm going to eat afterwards. Yeah, if I can really dial it in that day, it may be fun. It may boost my workout by one or 2%. But really, you can work out at any time and your body's going to utilize the food that you've been feeding it. That's why it's so important to just eat an all around nutritious diet, eat all around healthy foods, whether it be you can eat one meal a day, you can eat six meals a day. It's really just about the total amount and quality of the food you feed your body throughout a day, throughout a week. Um, your body is really adept at portioning out the food that you give it. So it's just important to make sure that that's healthy and not really worry about when you're having that so much. I've become a big fan of this Perry workout window theory because essentially it says that you should have a decent sized serving of protein and possibly another meal or other nutrients like carbs and fat just within five hours before or after your workout. So keep it simple. If you have a big breakfast at eight o'clock and you work out at noon, that's, that's great. Then you, you've hit your Perry workout window. If you have a workout at three o'clock and you don't eat your dinner until eight, that's great. That's fine. You've also hit your Perry workout window. Like I said, the body is so much more malleable than we give it credit for. So keeping this big broad window of when you should have some nutrients to fuel your workout is going to be the number one goal and is going to make everything so much less stressful for people that were like I used to be in having to have the perfect pre-workout meal, having to have the perfect post-workout meal and all that sort of stuff. As far as protein servings go, it is definitely helpful to get multiple servings throughout the day. Uh, three, four, five usually is what's recommended. Definitely what's most important is just making sure that you get enough protein throughout the day. So about 0.6 grams per pound of body weight is the minimum. So a little bit over half your body weight for me, weighing about 180, I want to at least get 110 to 120 grams of protein. And often I shoot more for the one gram per pound of body weight. And if you are more advanced, that's going to be something that you want to focus on. But just getting enough protein throughout the day is so much more important than just getting it in before or after your workout. Like back to the example of how I used to view things, I might make sure I get a protein shake and a big serving of protein with like meat or eggs around my workout. But if that's my protein and then I'm under ingesting it throughout the rest of the day, say I have like 50 grams around my workout and then I only have 30 grams in, in other meals or something like that then I'm really under ingesting for the day and I would be a lot better off having 130, 140, 150 grams spread throughout different meals, not worrying so much if it's around my workout or not. Like I said, your body uses what you feed it in the most efficient way. 
And it's never going to be the most important thing to think about when you're partitioning these nutrients. That's going to be something that's so a last 5% or even last 1% or 2% as far as getting results. I have heard, in fact, that since muscle retention is a lot more since muscle retention is a lot less taxing and a lot less difficult than muscle growth, you can really get away with two protein feedings per day when you're cutting and trying to retain muscle, but really trying to focus on losing fat. And if you're lean bulking or trying to put on muscle, then you're a lot better off having like four servings a day, often of 30, 40 grams of protein. So if you do want to shoot for any goals, that would be the first place to look, uh, in my opinion much more important than when these servings are happening. So long as you're following this Perry workout window, I think we're all going to be just fine. We're going to make gains. We're going to be lean, strong, healthy. So I hope you guys enjoyed this random show. If there's any other topics you'd ever be curious about, bring them up to me. You can always email me. That email is jrparker95 at gmail.com. And I'm always available on Instagram DM as well. Hey, it's Jake again. If this podcast provided you any value, I'd encourage you to share it with someone who you think might enjoy it. In addition, it'd really help me out a lot if you would go and subscribe or leave a review for my podcast. It's super easy. And in addition, if you have any questions or comments, I'd love for you to reach out to me by email or Instagram DM, which can both be found on my website. Thanks.